Hello, everyone, and welcome to the series premiere of Global Gurus, where every Friday we explore stories of international business and speak with industry leaders operating around the world. I'm your host, Philip Auerbach of Auerbach International. Thank you for joining us. We're going to start each broadcast with, with a running segment called Faux Pas Fridays, where we explore a funny blooper or mistranslation that does not quite convey the professional image that your company wants to project. So for example, a sign in English in a Romanian hotel said, the lift, the elevator, the lift is being fixed. During this time, you will be unbearable. Today's guest is Mark S.A. Smith. Mark is an international businessman who has helped introduce new disruptive technology to world markets for 42 years. He is an engineer, a marketer, a speaker, an executive coach, a consultant, and an author who has just released his 15th and 16th book. He has also been paid to work in 54 countries. Now he works with executive teams making the transition to the transformational economy with the release of two new books, his two new books, The Nimble C-Suite and The Nimble Company. Welcome, Mark. Why, thank you, Philip. It's a delight to be here. And I love that sign in Romanian. It reminds me of a couple of signs I've seen that were written in English in different parts of the planet. For example, in this little town outside of London, on the lift was uh, Gone Wrong. <laughs> and, and then in the Deep South, there was a sign on the elevator that said, Tore Up. Tore Up. <laughs> So even 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 if we think out of order is the right answer, not everybody thinks out of order is the right thing to say. So it's a delight to be here and and share with you these things that we share as a common language in a common world. But boy, do we get things out of alignment sometime. Yes, we speak a common culture, a common language, except when the communication does not quite work. So uh, before we dive in, uh, could you briefly tell us a bit more about your background and how you grew up and how you gained some global experience. I love to explore. And when I was hired out of college, my the company that hired me, Hewlett Packard, said, would you like to would you like to introduce this new product in Europe? And I said, heck, yeah. And so I had my first experience at 23 um, flying around Europe, introducing a new piece of disruptive technology and just learned so much just at that young age about how to do business internationally. And I caught the bug. So <clears throat> I ended up living for three years in Amsterdam, uh, looking over some technology sales for Europe, Middle East and Africa, traveled extensively. And then later in my life, I did a lot of international business uh, doing training, international training, again, for Hewlett Packard, just coincidentally. So I've always been interested in other cultures. I like uh, waking up in strange cities and talking to strange people about their strange problems. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, it, it, this may be a bit uh, elementary for you since you've traveled so much around the world, but what does international business mean to you? Well, at a baseline, it means that you're doing business with somebody who is not of your culture and perhaps not of your language. 
and in the uh, the in in the narrow sense, it means you're getting on an airplane and flying to some country to do business with them, where you need to have a relationship building process that will get you to the transaction, mm. and then navigate the f financial situation that will end up in you producing a product. Now, each one of those four steps may be very different in each country. <laughs> Very, very true. Uh, and we'll explore that a bit more um, during the, the podcast. Um, but I guess which, which of your ventures or launches have been the most successful and uh, what did you do to make them successful? Well, I think the most successful one was when we did 500 events for Hewlett Packard worldwide. I had 13 trainers on the road worldwide delivering uh, technology training to help people sell the technology. And of course, we had to make sure that the sales strategies and the sales scripts were going to work in all the languages that we were operating in. We did translations of workbooks and translations of PowerPoint decks and things like that. We did local training the trainers, and uh, we also delivered in English, sometimes with simultaneous uh, well interpretation, I guess is the right word. Mm -hmm. And and that ended up being very successful. We made a lot of money, and our client made a heck of a lot of money. They went from 23% market share to 63% market share in three years. And in some countries, they completely dominated the market. There was zero sales of the competitor products in certain countries. And uh, so that was very successful, partially because we did the research we needed to do to make sure that the techniques we were teaching were completely aligned with what the, the, the culture needed, as well as being highly engaging and very mm, cookbookish, <laughs> you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, so that nobody was confused about what they should do. It was a wonderful experience. I'd love to do it again. That's fascinating. You know, you mentioned about how you dramatically increased uh, Hewlett Packard's business and they had a lot of translations. And uh, as you may know, I, I run a, a 30 plus year old translation agency. We translate anything into 120 languages. And one of our big, biggest successes was for Fujitsu, um, where just by delivering the translations on time, we were able to increase their business by about $500,000 over various years. That's substantial. Boy, I wish I had known you back in the the days when we did HP. We had one translator we worked with that ended up being a thief. Ooh. And what, ha what happened is that he charged us $5 per PowerPoint slide to provide us with proofs. Well, when you have a 150-slide deck, that ends up being a lot of money. And he would run that for every single PowerPoint slide deck that we had him translate. And it ended up being costing us thousands and thousands of dollars. Totally unnecessary, completely well, ridiculous. And very unethical. Completely yeah. unethical. And, and the guy actually taunted us wow. uh, about it. So Oof. it was it was, uh, it was unfortunate. And it was one of those situations where you learn, you live and learn. Uh, we didn't do our due diligence on this cowboy, but you know, oh, well, oh, well. You know, one of those, one of those five thousand uh, dollar uh, pieces of information uh, that that you that you learn the hard way. Exactly. Well, um, it, in my experience, tra most translators and interpreters are extremely ethical and very um, very professional. And this is a good example of why one should use a professional language agency as opposed to an individual, because the agency is then responsible and can screen people accordingly. 
Well, you know, actually, that's a very interesting point because we would do the same thing when we would travel internationally. Uh, we would we would not contract with individuals. We would do everything through the hotel. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, um, we when when a, when we landed at an airport, we would always have a driver from the hotel come and pick up the trainer, so that we knew that they would be safe and get to the right hotel versus uh-huh. relying relying on getting a taxi or an, a, a party. A, a driver that could uh, it, it take them to the wrong place or whatever it happened to be. But by contracting through the hotel for things like that, we never, ever failed. Yeah, it costs a little more, but what's the cost of failure? It's extremely high. Yeah, it reminds me of um, doing business in India. It's one of the places in the world where uh, I certainly, I personally would absolutely never drive and I'd never advise any non-native to drive there because it's it's absolutely crazy but i would absolutely trust the indians to drive there because it's their country and they know exactly what to do and how to do it (laughs) right and uh, even though i was literally one inch from the back of a bus um, i always trusted the driver to get us where we needed to go on time yes could you share with us um you've talked about some successes um Perhaps uh, you could share also a big business blunder, either your own or something you've heard about, and the lesson that our audience should take from it. Well, I I was very, very well coached. Um, when Hewlett Packard sent me overseas as a young man, um, I was escorted by somebody who had deep experience with international work. Um, I was well briefed about what to do and what not to do. And so I have to say that I was prevented <laughs> from making any big blunders <laughs> that's great. along the way. And, and I think that's an actually an important thing. If you're going to do international travel, make sure you find yourself a guide who has experience in the countries that you want to do business with, whose history is your future in doing business with those countries. And it'll keep you from making, you know, the blunders. We've, we've all heard, you know, the classic blunders and misinterpretations and, and, and accidentally insulting uh, their hosts. Right. Although in my experience, um, most hosts are extremely gracious as long as you are humble and respectful. And from that that location of appreciation for their country, no, uh, no criticism whatsoever about anything. Don't ever say, you know, it's kind of dirty around here. Don't ever say, you know, boy, we sure do it differently in the United States. Just, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and you're going to stay out of a lot of problems. That's excellent advice. Um, and you mentioned interpreters. Um, one of the lessons that I've learned uh, and that we tell our clients is that if you're going abroad, uh, my agency or any other professional agency normally can hire a professional interpreter for you in that country, but always have your own professional interpreter and do not rely on your host to provide one for you or to, uh, to rely on the host's interpreter because that person may conveniently forget to say certain uh, certain phrases or certain words that may be uh, detrimental to you but beneficial to your host. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a place you know where lost in interpretation really makes sense. And so 
Yes, having your own interpreter. I absolutely agree with you, Philip. There, that is part of the secret is you have to hire your own. And of course, you can you know hire it through an agency like yours. Or um, if we needed to, we would hire what before I you know before I knew you, we we just hire one through the hotel. Yeah, and that that's wise also. The hotel normally, of course, has very reliable people because obviously the hotel's reputation is at stake. That's great. That's right. Perhaps um, there, there are certainly, of course, a lot of cultural differences when doing business internationally. Uh, could you share with us perhaps a cultural difficulty that may have jeopardized or doomed a venture and how you adjusted to it? Well, you know, I, I don't I don't I, I, sorry, <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> and it could be, yours, it could be anyone else's or whatever. Well, I, again, I think the reason why is because we did our homework. Mm. Good. <clears throat> we made we made sure that we were culturally prepared everywhere we went. And, you know, in, in the 65 countries that I've been to, I just I can't think of a situation where we had, you know, problems or challenges just simply because of the prep work that we did. Now, I, I, you're probably aware of the book Kiss, Bow or Shake Hands. Yes, it's wonderful. And if you're going to do business internationally, this is a must-have book. Unfortunately, the last edition is 2006, but it still works. You know, even you know, even though the, the book is is out of print, you can get copies, and it's absolutely worth getting and reading. It's it's fun to read, just just a blast to read. Yeah. And so that would be part of our pre-work is that you know people would get the. The pages out of kiss power shake hands mm -hmm. to review before they would they'd go off and, and do anything um but yeah you know there's lots and lots of classic stories of you know about you know people showing the bottom of their 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 oh, shoe yes. to an, an uh uh to an arabian businessman and a muslim yes indeed yes and causing serious issues in those areas and of course they didn't mean anything by it but if you're not aware of that it can cause problems and i think that's the reason why becoming culturally attuned through a book like kiss bow or shake hands is the secret to avoiding these issues yeah that's very very true uh just for our general audience the book kiss power shake hands is, uh, is the subtitle is uh, How to Do Business in 60 Countries. And it's got sections for each country on cultural overviews, behavior styles, negotiating techniques, protocol, and business practices. So it's, uh, it's, it's really a superb international business Bible, even if it's a bit out of date. Well, it's, um, it's, close, it's close enough. <laughs> close enough, exactly. Um, and the example you gave of not showing the sole of your foot to a Muslim, uh, what I've learned in traveling in over 56 countries, um, just in general, there's certain things one does and what one, sh one should do and, and not do, because you never know who, who may be, you never know who may be a Muslim, for example. Um, mm -hmm. So therefore don't, and, and Americans do this a lot, they cross, especially men, they cross their legs and the sole of their foot is pointing to the person next to them. Well, mm -hmm. if that person's a Muslim in, in Islamic culture, that's extremely offensive. Mm -hmm. um, and people may remember when President Bush went to Iraq and he declared uh, victory or success, and a lot of people threw, threw their shoes at him. And mm -hmm. that, was the, that was the equivalent of that being a sort of obviously a very negative gesture. Indeed. Um, 
with even with the background that you had, um, how do you adjust to a market when the environment in that culture or country doesn't match what you already know? Um, the secret to that is just ask. You know, you can ask, you can ask anybody who provides you with service. So uh, somebody at the front desk, um, if you have somebody who invited you to come there, you can just say, look, I fill me in. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to disrespect anybody. I want to be completely respectful. And I, and I want to make sure that our business is, is successful. And, and so please help me if I have a blind spot about cultural behavior or my Americanisms are, are out of line, please let me know. My, my identity is as a world businessman, not as an American businessman when I am here mm -hmm. so that I can be successful and we can have effective business so that you get what you want and I can get what I want. So would you be willing to do that? You know, and they're like, sure. <laughs> this is amazing. You know, most of these guys come blundering in and complain complain about the food and they complain about the water and they complain about and you know here you're just you're just trying to yes that's so so just being open to feedback asking for feedback um is is and everybody gives it graciously and gladly because so few people are willing to to say teach me exactly i'm not an arrogant i'm not arrogant i'm, I'm here to learn i'm here to be successful with you that's the secret. Yeah, that's that's very wise. Um, you know, most, not most, but many Americans uh, travel abroad and come, as you were implying, come with this um, cultural assumption that the whole world should be like us and we are superior to the whole world, uh, which can absolutely get you into trouble before you even step off an airplane or a subway. Um, Mm -hmm. So just the fact that, uh, as you had suggested earlier, be humble and then ask. And so yes. few people do ask that, as you say, the, the, um, the locals will be most gracious and most willing to help you and to guide you. Indeed. They're just, they're just, they fall all over themselves. You know, I think the thing to keep in mind is that America is a young, brash, arrogant, egotistical, uh, and somewhat smug country. Mm -hmm. And yes. and we forget that most of the countries that we're going to are many times older than we are. They've been doing it way longer than we have, and yet we have this feeling that we've got the right way. Well, that's just not so. It might be right for you, but boy, once you do international travel, your experience and your expectations change radically. Yes, I love being an American. Yes, I love living in America. And yes, I love having the experiences of, of going to other places. Quite frankly, I think the food in most other countries is substantially better than the food <laughs> in the United States because we've got been so dumbed down our palate with mm. fast food everywhere. And everybody in every fast food restaurant is selling a burger. Right. Well, <clears throat> that's just, oh, come on. There's more life than a burger and fries. Seriously. Absolutely. <laughs> And the food abroad is really marvelous most of the time. Indeed it is. And, and even when it's not, it's different. It's different. And I'm sure you will agree that um, when the host, if the host takes you out to a lunch or dinner, uh, the proper cultural etiquette is to try, try it. Try anything that is put in front of you, even if you don't like it. Don't make a face. Don't make a grimace. Just try it because that shows graciousness to your host. Indeed. And I, I maybe... You know, I've never thought of that, Philip, but I'll eat anything. 
And, and part of the reason why is because I may not like the taste, but why not try it? Why not taste it? Why not see? <clears throat> you know, I, I've even had durian, you know, that nasty, stinky fruit that smells like, you know, uh, like you're over an open sewer. And one of my hosts in Malaysia took me there and said, would you like some durian? I said, heck yeah. And it was, it was quite an experience. And it, yeah, I do it again. Uh, although it was it was it was exactly as described it's like eating onions over an open sewer but it was it was actually quite delicious once you got past the smell <laughs> that's what i've heard i've never had it myself but <laughs> you're describing it exactly as i've heard that's wonderful <laughs> that's exactly what it was now interestingly of course your fingers smell that way after you eat oh. it hmm. And in, in, in the open air areas where they'll serve it to you, they have a, a sink where you can wash your hands afterwards. And they run the water over the outside of the fruit. And there is something in the outside of the fruit that deodorizes your hand. Oh, that's fascinating. Wow. <laughs> absolutely fascinated. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, if you don't run the water over the outside of the fruit, your hands will stink. But you do. And they were absolutely right. Hands didn't smell anymore. Um, you, you said two things I just want to comment on. I think I think I saw in a market the other day a package, uh, you know, how you can find packages of dried fruits. Yes. And I think I found one that said dried durian which was amazing. I did not buy it because I, you know, was already uh, had plenty of stuff, but um, I was really amazed to see it in this country. You know, Indeed. Well, you, you can, you can find it fresh in some, you know, Malaysian markets, but uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, what the heck, right? It doesn't matter. Try stuff, see right. what you think. It, and then you've got stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> like this. Exactly. You know, the other uh, wonderful comment you made is how the United States is such a young, brash country. And in many ways, we're sort of like a young teenager. Um, and one yes. of my um, an experience that really made me chuckle was in Istanbul. And uh, there was a sign that said, New Mosque built 1583. Built in 1583. <laughs> <laughs> oh, context. Oh, yeah. Context, yes. Uh, when countries, uh, cultures and countries are hundreds or thousands of years old, you know, the oldest. Um, I come from Philadelphia and the, we have the, um, the oldest continually resid continual residential street in the United States, uh, which mm -hmm. is Elfris Alley. And I think it dates from like 1683 or something. So yeah, hundred hundred years after the new mosque. Went in. Years after the new mosque. <laughs> so um if you had a chance to give your past self some advice from your current self, what do you think you would say? What do you think you would tell yourself? Adventure even more. Mm, that's great. Adventure even more. Just yeah. go try to experiment. I, yeah, go, go, go to the weird looking little restaurants. Um, uh, go to the strange little areas. Um, hire a guide for the day. Um, some of my very best experiences have been hiring a driver for a day mm, and saying, yeah. okay, sh show me things. Yeah, and, just take me around. <clears throat> yeah, show me things. Show me things that you would want to show 
your brother or your mother. And so <clears throat> I don't have an agenda. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to see what they think is interesting and important and valuable and re worth respect. Yeah, and even in this country, I attended a conference in Mobile, Alabama, uh, last, uh, well, a few months ago uh, in 2021. And uh, the driver was a, an, a lady Uber driver, and she was wonderful. She, I, I was curious about her town, and she showed me some parts of Mobile that I had never known that the Spanish occupied that part of Alabama. Um, and she showed me an old Spanish fort, and, and I think the British were there. The British tried to take it over. So anyway, I, again, even in this country, I just show curiosity and, uh, and have the time, and it's quite amazing what you'll learn. Indeed. It's lovely. Those are all the – I love the hidden things that 99.99% .99 of the people never see. Right. So they're the hidden gems, truly the hidden gems. Well, I presume that your life is not all business. What else gets you excited? <laughs> well, I still continue the adventurous life. So I am now a nomad and I live out of a, a little travel trailer <clears throat> that goes anywhere my four wheel drive truck will go. And I go exploring national parks. Um, mm. I love looking at the geology and the geography and the history of these areas. So quite frankly, my, my experience of adventure has not stopped. It continues and is even more intense because my, <clears throat> my home is where I am staying currently. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's really great. So before we close, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Yes. Don't be afraid of the unknown. The unknown is where all the good things exist. Imagine if all you could do is what you are good at, how boring life would be. And your willingness to step out into the unknown, to go to places where you might have a little fear because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I might get hurt. The odds of you getting hurt are very low. The odds of you being inspired are very high. So go with it. Go get out. Go get on that roller coaster uh, and go to places you've never been. And your life will never be the same. And even if you don't know the language? Oh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, you can pick up a little card that has uh, all kinds of symbols on it, and you point to it, and people point back. It's just the most amazing thing. If you have a cell phone service, you have a translator in your pocket. It's it's so easy these days to get around, um, way easier than it was when I first got started. So you have no excuse not to get going. And hey, you know, when you get there, you can learn a few things. Absolutely. And just um, before we close, you had mentioned a, a po what, what are called pocket translators. Um, those are good for, for travel, as you're saying, and to ask simple questions, you know, where's the church? Uh, where's the station? Does the stress come in blue? Whatever case you want, whatever you have, but they're not good just for a general edification. They're, they're not good for anything professional. Uh, anything business, no. technical, um, marketing, legal, whatever. No. So one should always no. never use them for that. 
<laughs> no, there's where you need an interpreter who knows your business or, and knows what you're attempting to do, whether it's negotiating or legal or anything of that nature. And the good news is that I've yet to find a country where we couldn't find somebody who spoke English, probably was educated in England or Australia or perhaps even the United States hmm. or Canada who um, wasn't a, who, who didn't have a complete command of the English language and, of course, their local language that, that could take care of us from a legal standpoint or from a negotiating standpoint. Those people are they exist. Absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you, Mark. It was a wonderful, true pleasure gaining your insights today and uh, appreciate your joining us. I'm so, delighted to share the, my wisdom with you. <laughs> thank you. It truly has been very, very wise. So this has been Philip Auerbach. Please join us again next Friday for another edition of Global Gurus and the Stories of International Business. Thank you. <laughs>